Hey everybody, welcome to episode 34 of the Snake in the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Fines. You can find me on Twitter at jsnake underscore dff. This is going to be a solo episode and I will be talking about dynasty trades and the process I go through during them. So this is just going to be trading 101. So the first part is going to be formulating an offer. So you can start this two different ways. You can start it by going for certain players or looking at teams and going for certain positions. So for me, I typically like to go for certain teams and go for certain positions related to those teams instead of looking at certain players because when you target certain players, you're not really looking at what that team needs. Like you may be, you may be like, oh, I want C.D. Lamb on my team. Well, if that team's a rebuilding team and they have C.D. Lamb, the odds of you getting C.D. Lamb are very, very slim. So that's why I like to look more at teams and then get positions based off of that. Now, obviously, if like, okay, I want a running back and all they have if I'm a rebuilding team is like, Le'Veon Bell, Leonard Fournette, that's not going to happen. But in general, that's the philosophy I like to do with trades. So I'm going to begin by looking uh, for rebuilding teams if you're a contender or vice versa. And I'm going to go ahead and start with being a contender and looking to add pieces. So again, you're a contending team. You're going to find rebuilding teams or retooling teams or teams that you think you can convince. Not necessarily convince, but just be like, hey, you're one in four right now. Like, I think you need players to help you build for the future. I see on your team you have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Devontae Adams, you have Michael Thomas, or you have older running backs. Like maybe you want to take a chance on David Johnson. You can get him pretty cheap. Uh, Some other people, eh, not really Leonard Fournette. Even like David Montgomery is getting a bad rap recently. So like players like that, you're like, hey, I'm going to trade for aging players or players who are generally older or maybe just have this, um, not necessarily a stigma, just players that may not have long-term viability, like uh, Miles Gaskin. He's a great one that I'd be trading for if I'm a contending team. And then you're going to trade away more your younger pieces or draft picks to those rebuilding teams because that matches their goals. You don't need to be saying, oh, I'm going to trade, you know, uh, David Johnson for your uh, Miles Gaskin in 2021 second. Like any rebuilding team should say no to that. So that's the first step if you're a contending team. So now retooling a rebuilding team. Your goal is to find a contending team. You're going to trade for their younger players or draft picks. Some examples are 2021 first-round picks, DK Metcalf, C.D. Lamps, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Ursula Jr., really just any younger player in general. The one part that would be frustrating to teams trying to rebuild is trading for those younger pieces will always cost more than you really want it to. And so that's where like you just really have to get your offer down. You're like, hey, if I want Clyde Edwards-Alaire, this is what I'm going to send. Especially now because of the Le'Veon Bell news, it's easier to acquire uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which I'll talk about in just a sec. And then in general, just trade away older pieces to contending teams because that matches their goals. Now, this may seem simple, but a lot of people just send trades that don't actually help the other team, and it's really super frustrating to receive those trades. So don't just send them to send a trade. Actually try to make a doable trade. So, like, one example is I made a trade in a Titan Premium, 12-team Titan Premium League. Uh, This was a couple weeks ago in that I was talking with the team that needed a tight end. So, I had picked up Robert Tanyan and Dalton Schultz. And so, I was looking at the team and I was like, okay, how can I end up trading those tight ends away that don't really help me for this year? Because this is more of a retooling team. It was a team that I did more of a productive struggle with. So, I ended up, I think it ended up being uh, Robert Tanyan and a 2021 second for Denzel Mims, which I'm definitely happy with. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure what Robert Tanyan's role is going to be in the future. It could be fantastic. He could be the tight end of the future for that team. He could not be. We'll really see. But with that league as well, I'm stacked at tight end. Yeah, I have Hunter Henry. 
I have uh, Fant, Noah Fant, Hawkinson, um, a couple other guys. And then actually I made a trade for Irv Smith Jr. And that one was I traded away Dalton Schultz for Irv Smith Jr. And this was before Irv Smith Jr. did anything in week five. He Actually, I made a post after week three. He was making me super nervous. I was like, man, I don't even know what he's going to be doing. So I ended up trading away Dalton Schultz for Irv Smith Jr. And again, that fit my goal. It fit the team's goal that was getting him as well. And this was before the DAC injury. So some people will look at that trade now and be like, oh, man, that guy got fleeced. But at the time, Dalton Schultz was playing fantastic. Ersman Jr. was doing nothing. So I understood why that trade made sense. And honestly, I was happy because it met my team goals, and I felt like it met his as well. So um, those are just some examples of trades. Now, if I'm a contending team, like some trades I made early in the offseason would be like trading away uh, rookie picks for players. Also, one thing real quick I want to get to is if you're a rebuilding team and you have someone like a DeAndre Hopkins, I don't want to just be sending DeAndre Hopkins for three 2021 first or two 2021 first. Instead, what I would rather do is send DeAndre Hopkins for Jerry Judy and a 2021 first and 2021 second. Like, I want to get a player that I know who they are. And Jerry Judy may not be the best example. Could even be someone like Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire now, anything like that. So... Try to make it to where you're not just trading for draft picks because you don't want a ton of draft picks. Well, okay, you do want a lot of draft picks, but you need to realize that they don't hit at a very high rate. And like hitting is literally just having like one top, I think it's 24 seasons as a running back or like, or no, top one top. Yeah, 24 season, I think is what it is. Also, relook at that stuff. I'm actually have an interesting project related to that for third and fourth round picks. Uh, that I'm working on right now, but in general, just, you know, really focus on getting those known players. Like if you could trade DeAndre Hopkins for DK Metcalf in the 2021 second and a retool, do that all day. If you could trade like Devontae Adams for CD Lamb in a 2021 first, again, I would do that all day long. And I know I always talk about rebuilding, retooling, retooling in general. I like it to talk about that because it's like, it's more related to building a dynasty to me than a contending team because contending teams is like relatively simple in that you're just playing redraft while trying to hold on to some younger pieces to maintain your dominance over multiple years. So in general, I would just focus on contending team, find the rebuilding teams, look for those guys that you can trade for that are older assets. Uh, and then if you're a rebuilding retooling team, trade for those younger guys. And again, it's going to cost you. And that's okay because in trades, you want to get the players. It's going to cost some cost some dough. Uh, there's going to be some buy lows that occur. Like Denzel Mims to me is a nice buy low right now. Uh, and I'm about to actually talk about buy low so high and how I think the philosophy in general is flawed because it's like, oh, uh, so-and-so got hurt. So that means this guy's now so high because we see expect this. Well, in redraft, I think it can work. In dynasty, Nobody thinks like that in Dynasty. Everybody is very uh, stubborn. The values don't change a whole lot in general. And people don't want to move off of a guy without seeing it for multiple weeks. But then once that happens, then the person wanted to trade for him, the value drops for them as well, but way below what the other person is going for. So now let's go into the final part. And I just really want to talk about buying low versus selling high and just really what that is. And so to me, most buy low and sell highs are not actionable in Dynasty League. See, odds are super low that you're going to be able to buy Clyde Edwards Alert low right now. Same with trying to sell Robbie Anderson high. So in my opinion, it's more that teams are more or less open to trading players. Like Clyde Edwards Alert is not a buy low. Instead, he is now obtainable if you want him. 
I also really liked what Sigmund Blute said on my post. The better angle that people need to be exploring for trades is sell low and buy high. Inducing someone to try to catch a falling knife or get off of a rocket ship precisely because the mass psychology says it is time to get out slash cash in when actually it's the wrong move. So for me, that'd be like selling Robbie Anderson for two 2021 seconds right now if you're a contending team. That's the wrong move. Robbie Anderson's the wide receiver one on his team. He's someone that I would want on my contending teams. And I was talking like week two, week three about Robbie Anderson. Everybody's just like, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't even say it's 24 and second for him. And I'm like, guys, have you not been seeing what he's been doing? Like, and he's done even more now. So that is a great point by uh, Sigmund Bloom. And also, he also said, usually the true brilliant buy low, sell high trades are the ones that you doubt. I wonder if you're making a big mistake when you make them. So the mass psychology on the player says it's the wrong time to buy slash sell at that time. So... I really do like that thought process as well. One example from recently is if you're, I was against buying Le'Veon Bell because I didn't like the uncertainty. And I really just thought like, I wouldn't even pay a 2021 second for Le'Veon Bell. I was like, yeah, you know, if you could trade a 2021 third for him, I'd do it. And so, but if someone actually bought Bell for a 2021 second, then they already profited because Bell ended up on the Chiefs and he's worth more now and has potential to be used at a high level in 2020. Um, and so that's why like with Clyde Evans-Alaire, it, nobody should be dropping him down their dynasty rankings, in my opinion, because, yeah, so what, 2020, you know, may not be his year. He may not be used as much, or if anything, it could be showing more that it could be an issue with the backups, the Daryl Williams and all of them. But in general, like, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Bell split the ball 50-50, Bell's value increases, Clyde Edwards-Alaire to me maintains. So all this really is to say that there are some players who are true buy lows, like Ersma Jr., a couple of weeks ago, or a lot of vets like Marvin Jones, he hasn't been doing great, Julio Jones or Jarvis Landry. In general, it's like vets, you know, are your, quote, buy lows for their production, but then their value decreases year after year. Like Julio Jones, this offseason was worth probably a 2021 first, and the next offseason, it'll be like two 2021 seconds. The next year, it'll be like a 2021 second. But he has a chance to be producing at a very high level during that whole time. So, in general, players just become more or less obtainable depending on if they are a, quote, buy low or sell high. Uh, and also from the words of Shane Swagger at Swagzilla on Twitter, it's more about the ease of the buy. If you want someone like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, then it's time to send a solid offer for him. One offer I'm sending in a league that I'm retooling, and I actually don't have any running backs. The only person I have is Gaskin, Miles Gaskin. And I'd probably rather move off of Gaskin in that league if I can, just because of the uncertainty. And for me, like if you hear me, I'm always like, uncertainty, the certainty, this and that. And I always like to find players that are a little bit more certain for my rebuilding, retooling teams than players that are more wishy-washy. Because if you can move off of them whenever their value is more stable, then you end up getting a profit long-term if their value plummets. Now, obviously, there's going to be hits and misses. Uh, we can assume we know it's going to happen with every player, but, you know, we really don't. So that's just my preference. I'm a little bit less of a risk-taker with my rebuilding, retooling teams. Now, contending teams, sure, I'll take the risk, especially if it helps me win the ship. But this offer uh, is going to be McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, and Miles Gaskin for Clyde Edwards-Alaire and A.J. Dillon. So that's the offer I sent. It's a 12-team, tight end premium, super flex league, half PPR with one point per first down. And I'll, I sent it to a couple of people. And actually, the trade on Twitter was like 50%. Like, it was like right down the wire. I'm, I'm going to look it up right now, see where it's at currently. But I uh, got some feedback in some groups I'm in on Twitter, some uh, message groups. And they were like, eh, I'd rather have Deontay Johnson. And my thought process is Clyde Everton Lee. So, okay, real quick. The trade is 50.6% for the McLaurin side, 49.4% for Clyde Everton Lee's side. And that's with 164 votes. 
So it's like dead even right there. And uh, so as I was saying with the McLaurin, Deontay Johnson side and Gaskins, like, yes, I think that side is probably slightly more valuable like for dynasty in general, but my team needs a running back. Like my running backs right now are Leonard Fournette, Miles Gaskin. I want a young stud in Clyde Edwards Lair. And I know a lot of people are panicking thinking, oh, the Chiefs realized they made a mistake. Well, I think what we're seeing is teams are realizing, hey, if I can get this guy for relatively cheap, he can come to our team. He can help us out in the playoffs. He can help us out throughout the season, help us win a Super Bowl. And then, you know, next year, Clyde Edwards Lair is our guy. We'll keep him healthy. We'll keep him not going super hard uh, with the amount of carries and workload. And I think that's a great thing. And then with A.J. Dillon, who's someone else I actually still like as a potential person on the Packers, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Aaron Jones. Again, that uncertainty factor. I think Aaron Jones is awesome to have in a contending team. But in general, you know, Aaron Jones is someone that I'm trying to get off of any and all rebuilding teams. So that trade is just one that, you know, it's nice to have McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, but I still have D.J. Moore. I have Chris Godwin. Like that team is pretty stacked at the wide receiver position. And people say, you know, oh, you can you can like draft a running back and they'll help you next year. Well, how is that helping you this year? And you may say, well, it's just one year. But in general, I want those guys that can be solid for a year, a couple years, three years. And I think Clyde Edwards can be that guy. And the goal would be also because I have a couple of draft picks in that league is to trade a couple of draft picks for some guys as well. And so that's that's my thought in general, is if you're retooling, rebuilding. Try to get the draft picks and then wait until like two days before you draft. And I'm not kidding. Like I messed up a lot this offseason in that I did not wait to trade my draft picks. I traded them in March instead of waiting to trade them in May. And that was a huge mistake on my end. I definitely should have just waited, 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 waited until they're on the clock and then traded them away. So that's something that I have learned my lesson. And like, yeah, once draft picks, the 2021 draft picks, once they're decided, they're not moving from my roster unless someone sends an outrageous offer then sure yeah i'll do that i'm not going to be super stingy about it like if i had the 1.01 is trevor lawrence and someone's like you know what i'll send you you know you send me with the 1.01 and like i don't know leonard fournette for patrick Mahomes. it's like oh yeah that's easy peasy you know i'll do that all day so little stuff like that you know yeah i'll do it but in general with those traffics accumulate them and then whenever the draft comes around along Try to think if you can send some offers for some known quantities, some known players, because there's players that bust all day, every day. And I know we're looking at this uh, class, and they're probably going to hit a relatively high level. But then next year's class could be completely different because we have the COVID going on right now. We have COVID era. And so it could lead to smaller schools not having as many people go into the draft and then not having as uh, high of a talent pool. It could lead to just all sorts of things that we don't know yet. In general, what I've seen is that the class this year is going to be really solid and actually may see more people come out of college. So, again, I'm saying get your picks, hold them, and then go. And if you're a contending team, those 2021 picks, in general, I'd probably lean towards holding them unless if you think that you absolutely need to make a move to be a contender. But honestly, that player that you can get for a 2021 first is most likely not going to be that difference maker. So I'd hold that 2021 first and just hold it to the whole time. Because I've seen plenty of contending teams that win it all and they still have their 2021 first after the, after the season. So yeah, it's just always be fluid. Never really be focusing on what other people do or recommend. And I know if you ask me on Twitter, I'll recommend stuff all day, every day. But you also have to know your league, your team, and also what you're comfortable with. Because this year is one of those years that I'm like, eh, I'd rather keep my 2021 first if I can help it. 
But then there's one league I'm in where I trade away my 2021 first, trade away my 2022 first uh, in that trade. That was a big old one. I think I've talked about it before. It was a 2022 first in Saquon Barkley for Jonathan Taylor and Kareem Hunt. So that trade right there was a slam dunk for me, I felt like, because my team's contending. The guy who I traded Saquon Barkley to in the first is more in a retool rebuild. So it worked out both for, for both of us. And that's in most trades. That's what I want it to be. It works out good for both of us. It shouldn't be super slanted one way or the other. Because if it's that way, people get better, and then they'll never trade with you again. And I'm not saying if someone offers you a crazy trade, you don't take advantage of it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying if you're offering a trade, though, look at the team. Because if they see a trade and they're like, you know what? This can help me this year. Yeah, let's do it. And then the next time, you may be the contending team, maybe be the retooling team, and you make the opposite trade. And then it helps you win it all. So in general, you know, just always be fluid, always be constant. That's why I like having multiple dynasty leagues. I will say I joined way too many uh, redraft leagues really this year has been kicking my butt. I joined a lot of those in a couple of dynasty leagues, but you know, just I think being in a two to three dynasty leagues to me has really helped like fine tune my thought process because then you can have a league that you're retooling, rebuilding, a league you're contending, and a league that you're like more middle of the pack trying to decide what you're going to do. And that's like usually how it flows year to year. I'm not saying that like your goal is never to be middle of the pack. Your goal is to decide how to jump to the top or jump to the bottom. So, anyways, I just want to thank you all for giving this episode a listen. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the Singling Drive podcast where you listen to podcasts. And again, thank you all for tuning in. And let's be snakes this season. Thank you.